0: In Second Chronicles, chapter 20, you're going to be reading one verse for our introduction to this message, which I have titled, "What to Do when you don't Know What to Do." Something tells me that I've used this title before, and it may even have been in this chapter before, but I can't recall. In any case, it bears repeating, even if I have used it before, which I think that I have, "What to do when you don't know what to do." Now, before we read the verse, I'm sure that you, like me, are in positions from time to time and have been in positions in the past when you truly don't know what to do. Well, there's a lot of venues that you can use to find answers to some problems. But some problems just simply cannot be resolved without God intervening. So we'll read verse 12 of Second Chronicles chapter 20 on our subject today of what to do when you don't know what to do. These are the words of King Jehoshaphat we will go through his story in just a second. Before our introduction, we'll read verse 12 where it says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. First of all, we don't expect leadership to not have an answer. I think many Americans, of course other countries as well, have figured out that so-called government people don't always have answers to our problems. And sometimes they're just throwing things out to give some sort of satisfaction to their constituents or to their countrymen. But we all kind of know that there is no real conviction that this is the answer. And humanity has always faced those kind of perplexing issues throughout its history that we come into areas of life where we don't know just what to do. And we don't expect leaders to have that problem, I should say, that they really don't know what to do, but that's what Jehoshaphat says here. We don't have any might against this, it was an army, or armies, plural. We don't have any might to resist these armies and to go to war with them, and we don't know what to do. But then the second thing that we don't expect out of leadership, we don't expect them to be afraid. We expect, especially in some place like the military, I'll also mention politics, we expect our leaders to be intrepid. We expect them to be without fear, not like you and me, where we have concerns. They're supposed to be, in a fantastic mythological sense, they're supposed to be without fear, but that's impossible no matter what human being you're dealing with. I remember reading just recently, and I can't recall who it was, where they were talking about how nervous they are every time they have to give a speech. I'm thinking it was some famous actor or someone, and you don't expect that. Then it reminded me though of George Patton, the great general, one of the greatest generals in American history, who said that before a battle that his palms got sweaty. And we don't expect that, especially with the persona that's projected about George Patton and other leaders as well. We don't expect them to have the ordinary sense of an anxiety that we do. We don't expect them to be afraid. But that's part of human nature. So when we go to verse 1, we see this here. It says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came up against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea, on this side Syria. And behold, they are in Hazes on Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. Now, Jehoshaphat is a godly king. Most of the kings of Israel and of Judah were not godly. They were ungodly. But Jehoshaphat is a godly king. And he's afraid. And this does not set him apart from any other patriarch in the Bible. We see Abraham had fears. That's why he told Sarah, his wife, to pretend that she was his half-sister, but she was to be ignorant of that and just display herself as just his sister because he feared Abimelech. We see this in the Apostle Paul. He mentions it on more than one occasion, but in Corinth, in particular, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul was told by the Lord not to fear, for I have many people in this city. And then we go on. We see Peter, you know, sinking in the water and other things. These characters in the Bible, psychologically, biologically perhaps, we may say they were just like you and just like me. But the difference is they never failed in faith. And that's what we wanna be. Because we're gonna come up against times I'm certain, I know that I'm in it on a routine basis, I really don't know what to do. So you have to go and follow this example. The first thing that Jehoshaphat does, he sets himself to seek God, which I'm gonna to suggest to you is not always the first thing that people who profess to be following god do they try to work it out in the mind or rationalize something but the first thing that jehoshaphat does is he seeks after the lord look what it says there jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all judah and judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the lord Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. This is the very thing that perhaps we as Christians are criticized for. Because people in the world will say, we don't want prayer. Something's got to be done. And usually it doesn't turn out. We constantly repeat history. But Jehoshaphat being part of the church, right? It's Judah, but ancient Israel is also referred to as the church. Not the church, but the people of God. Jehoshaphat is afraid, that's number one. He's not any different than you or me, but he sets himself to seek after the Lord. Rather than having a committee meeting, which is common for churches to do, a prudent pastor knows first, let's have a prayer meeting. Let's gather the church together or the elders, if that's the case, and let's have prayer. Let's seek the Lord. What do we do? Because he doesn't know what to do. So the first thing that you are to do is to seek the Lord in the place of prayer before you open your mouth and go into places where you shouldn't be on any subject or just dive into a situation dive into a problem seek the Lord spend some time spend some time seeking the Lord God what would you have me to do where do I go and so on and so many of these answers by the way are found in the Bible and you have to take the time to look them up and find them he sought the Lord And not only him, but the entire kingdom of Judah. So we're talking about a ton of people. They all come to seek the Lord. They understand that this situation that they are now in, with these advancing armies coming against them, they are outnumbered, and they are very, very likely to lose. But not just to lose, like we look at the stock market, So I lost money and all that. Okay, that's bad enough. But these people were going to lose their lives. They were going to be killed. And when you read through David and the Psalms and others, keep that in mind. Their life is on the line, not just finances. Their life is on the line, not just their reputation. In many cases, they're going to die in a battle or an attack. Yet we find an example that we need to follow. They seek the Lord. They go after God. America needs to seek after God. America needs to turn back to God. So Jehoshaphat, who is fearful and doesn't know what to do, as we just read, sets himself to seek the Lord and there's a fasting that goes with it which fasting is designed as an act of humility just denying yourself some food to focus on God and let's look at his prayer and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said "O Lord God of our fathers art not thou God in heaven And we look at Jesus, and when the disciples, the apostles, ask him, teach us to pray, this is the first thing that Jesus mentions Our Father who art in heaven. Now, we know that he's here, obviously, as well, but his domain starts out from somewhere very, very deep in the universe. We presume someplace that we can't see, even with the the telescopes we have up there, the Hubble telescope and others, we can't see it. But that's the first premise god is on his throne god is a king as i mentioned to you so frequently god has not been elected god has never been elected it's not a democratic process when it comes to god it's a monarchy a divine monarchy with a benevolent god who made us all of us and that's the first premise of his prayer just as jesus told us the our father art not thou god in heaven second thing Is he accents the complete authority of God? This is something that we really need to understand in this generation right now. He says, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? Number two, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? All right, so that's anybody who wasn't a believer in Jehovah, which would at that time be a Jew. This is a critical point. No matter what is going on in our world, And so much of it that's upsetting. The fact is that God rules over every nation. So it doesn't matter what nation. Let's start with America. Congress, the Senate, at the federal level is not ruling over America ultimately. Yes, they have authority and they're ruling to some degree. But it is God who's ruling over America. That doesn't mean we have to acknowledge him. That doesn't mean we have to know it. That doesn't mean that we have to be in compliance with him. He's still ruling over America, Russia, China. Any country you pick. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the people, and they that dwell therein. They don't have to know him, they don't have to acknowledge him, they don't have to like him. They can make arguments that he doesn't even exist, but he still rules over them. He still rules over America, he still rules over Russia, he still rules over China. It doesn't matter what kind of government or who's in positions of so-called of authority, that you have authority, but it's the same type of authority that Satan has. It is a permissible authority. A permissible authority is what Satan has. Satan cannot do anything he wants. By the way, and let me remind you of this when it comes to Satan who is who we are actually fighting. He is not everywhere present. He is not omniscient. He does not know all things. He is not omnipotent. He doesn't have all power and on and on and on. He's all over the place with his minions but he's still not like God. He's not God. They don't attribute the attributes of God to Satan. He doesn't know all your thoughts and so on. God does, but Satan does not. And man doesn't either. Man doesn't know what you're thinking and all of this here, and so often as we know, ourselves and even people sometimes we consult. When we don't know what to do, sometimes we consult people who are equally perplexed by the question that we give them or the problem that we give them, and they don't know what precisely to do as well. We see this perhaps Uh, More frequently in some type of disease where they're not used to it. What do we do? And they have to consult with each other, which is fine. But you need to know and you need to accent that wherever you go on the earth, God is still ruling in every single nation. He has established his throne in his heavens. It says in the Psalms and his kingdom rules over all. We're simply praying thy kingdom come to manifest on the earth. But in reality, it's already working on the earth. Sometimes when I see little tiny insects, I'm reminded of God calling locusts his army. At any moment, he could unleash them and all of our food would be gone. And in some cases, he does. Why? Because God is in absolute control. He's the absolute authority. The second thing that Jehoshaphat accents in his prayer. And then he says this. And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee. God gives a command. No one can withstand it. No one can alter it. No one can amend it. No one can change it. And so we go to prayer and we ask God for many things. If God gives his approval and answers our prayers, whether it's for us individually, corporately, or country, whatever, no one can stop it. I want to tell you, I have run this through my mind thousands of times when I look at what's going on in the world, what's going on in the country, and I'm not proposing that people shouldn't do anything to curb violence or help drug addiction or marriages or anything. I am proposing though, in my own mind, my opinion, is that it's beyond man. We need God to intervene. We need God to come in in such a way that there'll be no doubt, this is the so-called act of God. That's my opinion. That's truly what I believe. And again, I'm not advocating we don't do anything I'm just simply saying that our efforts will be well look at here let's here's the verse except the Lord keep the city the watchman wakes in vain unless God is watching over the city doesn't matter if you have an armed guard on the wall Unless the Lord builds the house the beginning of that verse Unless the Lord builds the house they're laboring in vain that build it castles in the sand fall into the sea eventually And in thy hand there is not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. Man likes to brag about his power and his accomplishments. But Jehoshaphat had the knowledge that you need, that when God speaks, no one can withstand it. No one. Some years ago, without going through all the details, when some of my board members and myself were not in a good way, good relationship, and I was unhappy with the way they were treating me. And I told them, I told them straight out, God blesses my life, there's nothing you could do to stop it. Nothing. And I'll never forget, the one place I've been, I've been a few places in my lifetime, the one place I've ever been where I said, yeah, I could live here, and that was Hawaii. <laughs> and my wife had won a trip and went there, and then the rule of the company was, well, Hawaii is your first trip, but you never go back, then you go to these different places, which were all good, they were fine. And then she won another trip, and the places that they had picked out that year didn't interest me or her. And I said, well, ask them to go back to Hawaii. And she said, no, there's a rule. I said, just ask them anyway. Ask him anyway, because I had prayed. I said, you ask them, and they're going to give you permission. And uh, when I got home, I said, did you ask them? Yeah. And I said, what did they say? Yeah, we can go to Hawaii. <laughs> there was a time when those close to me called me God's brat, because I actually got answers to prayer. But you want to get answers to prayer. But then we have to play by the rules, but you have to realize who God is. You've got to elevate your view to what the Bible says about him. Jehoshaphat goes on to say, Art not thou our God? Now it gets personal. He's not just God, and he is the God of all the earth. He is the God, literally, of every human being, of everything on the earth. But he's not everyone's God. When we talk about receiving Christ as Lord and personal Savior, that makes you able to be able to say, He's my God. He's our God. My God. The Apostle Paul said, My God shall supply all of your need. This is very specific, speaking to the Church of Philippi, and he says, My God will supply your needs, our God. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. Aren't you our God? Aren't you the God that when you speak, no one could withstand it? Aren't you the God that rules over all the kingdoms of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the children of Mount Seir and on and on and on. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind when you're reading the news and you're hearing things and whatever your neighbors bring to you. God always did and he always will rule over the nations. He has initiated a plan since man has fallen. This is a fallen world. You should every day get up, expect to be frustrated in one area or the other, because if you can expect to be frustrated, you won't be disappointed when you are, <laughs> meaning you're not going to be overly frustrated. Things are happening all the time, and I'm frustrated a lot. It has to be daily and probably more than once on a daily basis. Frustrated. Frustrated. But now I've learned as I'm older to expect frustrations. I don't know exactly where they're going to come from. But I say, okay, well, these things happen. We've got to get a solution and so on. And so you don't overreact. But when God is your God, Christ is your Savior, then you have the ability to go before God with confidence and to know that God is still ruling over the nations. I do understand that many people are not happy with what is happening in the world. I'm not really either. But I do know that God said, this is how it's going to go. And I spoke to you just recently, the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Interestingly, I just happened to bump into a website, YouTube channel, that deals with mysteries that haven't been solved. It's a more credible one. It's not one of those, you know, strange things. And I found it astonishing because I just seen it last night. I wasn't looking for it. All over the world, all over the world, in stone and in places where it shouldn't be found are these incredible footprints. Now, I know, you know, there's people that do hoaxes, but these are found like in jungles and places where they shouldn't be, and they're impressed in the stone. One, where you see a man standing next to the footprint, which is many feet larger than him, all over the world. And the question that the people who run this channel asked, were there giants in the earth? And my first thought, I went to Genesis, in my head, went to Genesis 6, when it says, in those days there was giants archaeology and science in many cases are friends of the bible though they don't know it they're always testifying that these things that we read in the word of god that we don't completely understand it thus we live by faith are actually true father sanctify them in thy truth thy word is truth that's something that we have got to come to accept let me ask you a question here why in the world would you buy a product that you know does not work Now, we can get fooled and we get tricked and we hear, you know, these extravagant claims about supplements, they could be vitamins that cure cancer and all this stuff. It's not proven. Could be so, but we don't know. You know, it's dubious. But why would you buy something that has been proven not to work? Now, listen to me. I'm saying this to you as something that's personal to me. I'm not really interested in what anybody believes. I'm interested in finding out how the God of this Bible works in my life meaning I want to see him work in my life and letting go of everything else. I'm not interested in what people say or do or their traditions and bowing and genuflecting and all that stuff. I'm just not interested in it. I'm interested in looking at those promises. For instance, when it comes to my mind, that thou canst believe, nothing shall be impossible unto you. I'm still challenged by that verse. I'm not saying I've accomplished it. I'm saying I'm challenged by it. I've learned to distance myself from the wise and the prudent from the erudite theologians and whatever they got an answer for everything but yet the verse stands nothing shall be impossible to you i'm not looking to apply that to anybody except myself i want to see it that's my prayer i want to see it i want to see these things and i can't be dependent on people to fulfill it i got to be dependent on god to fulfill it so what i'm saying to you is this god makes promises And we won't know if those promises are true until we act on what we already know, what we've already read. My question is this, why would you buy a product you absolutely positively know does not work? And yet, and I say this to you again, I don't examine you as much as I examine myself. You can trust that. And when I'm finding something is not working, I don't look to the Bible and say, I guess the Bible's wrong. I know there's something wrong in my thinking. There's something wrong in my behavior there's something wrong why am i experiencing this or whatever it is and it's not matching up to the bible i say this to you frequently but i want to say it to you again so you say oh i've got christ you know all right then where's the joy and i'm not saying superficial supercilious you know laughing at things that are not funny i'm just simply saying where's that sense of peace where's that sense oh well i got problems well i got problems but that's not what the book says The book actually says you're going to have problems that's a paraphrase of jesus message on the cross and everything else you're going to have problems you're going to have pain but be of good cheer i have overcome the world i often say to myself okay i don't like the way this is playing out but i accept it but i'm not going to let it change me i'm not going to let it change my direction of my mind whatever and this is what i suggest to you the bible is the bible it is true If you're not getting the results that it promised, that God has promised, then check yourself. And I think if I can be almost bordering on just being rude to you, why in the world are you not checking yourself more often? Dear Lord, how long are you going to be hamstrung by politicians? We are all frustrated with their nonsense. I have an opinion, and I think I've brought it to you publicly. If I haven't, I will now. I think many, not all, I think many politicians are just a kind of a intellectual form of prostitution i'm not saying all i know there's good men and women that really want to change things but they're always in some position telling us how we should live while we're trying to find the money to pay for the food or the gas or whatever but they're not having that same problem they talk about well guns and gun violence and they're surrounded by people with guns protecting them (laughs) but then you're going to go and spend the whole afternoon and sleepless night frustrated over that Well, see, that's where I draw the line. I'm frustrated, yeah. But I expect men to lie. I mean men and women. I expect people to lie. I've come to understand some things in these years that I've spent on the earth, but I don't expect God to lie. God cannot lie. In the world, you'll have tribulation. All right? There it is. But be of good cheer, and there it is as well. You see, you are, and you become what you're thinking about. So you spend all day thinking about your problem, but you don't know what to do but you don't spend much time asking God what to do, or you're setting yourself up for a rut that can not only last a few hours, and not only last a few days, a few weeks, a few months, but it can last a few years. As many as 20 or 30, you can waste your whole life. And I'm just suggesting, no, I'm not suggesting, I'm giving you some good counsel. Get your eyes off the wrong things and put them on God. Amen. You're going to advertise on social media, advertise God. I'm very limited in who I promote politically very limited. And I'm going to continue to be limited. I told you I had somebody write to me from the radio on this issue. With a long line of questions. Bah, 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 bah. I'm not interested in answering these questions. You think the way you want to think. You believe what you want to believe. I will put my trust in God. Because I'm reading here. that That's what Jehoshaphat did. That's what Jesus did. That's what Paul did. That's what all the patriarchs of the Bible did. Not that they didn't do other things. When Nehemiah was building the wall... He had his men with swords that were drawn and they stood there from early morning to the stars came out at night. If they attacked the wall there was going to be recourse but they still built the wall but it was built by faith in the God for whom nothing is impossible. Let's read on. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name saying if when evil cometh this is the prayer of Solomon when he built the temple as the sword judgment pestilence famine we stand before this house and in thy presence for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction then wilt thou hear and help and now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt if you know your Bible you remember that and God said don't attack these Moab and Ammon descendants of Lot when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and destroyed them not behold I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit he now is going to appeal to the promises of God But well, let me just say this quickly which so many of you can relate to I know that I certainly can relate to it and it confused me quite a bit over many years when it has happened and it still happens from time to time but now I'm initiated now I know better the very people that you've tried to help, the very people that you've tried to spare, the very, and I can go through stories, which I'm not going to do publicly, where I really bent over backwards to help certain people and went on the line for them. When I was in my disaster, I got from them not only nothing, that would have been bad enough, I got a reverse because, I, you know, this is a small town. I hear the chatter. I hear the talk. This guy was eating a can of pork and beans, when, literally eating a can of pork and beans, when I met him and I took him on, took him under my wing. When I had my problems, he wasn't to be found. I haven't had a word from him since. He had problems in his church, and I helped him out with that too. Nothing. Total distance. Is that disappointing? Well, for someone like me, whose middle name is loyalty, it is. I've had a lot of cases like that. But in my mind, the way I think of it is this. These were lessons for God to keep saying, get your eyes off people. Invest only so much in people because people are fallible. People are fickle. One day, look at David. One day, Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. David's a hero. David's a hero. Then, when there's a misstep over Ziklag and the children and the women were taken, they're all saying, "Kill him! Kill him! Kill him!" People are fickle. You can't put your trust in—I mean, total trust—in people. They're like shifting sand. But God is our rock. God never changes, and He cannot lie. That for me, for me, is the chief lesson of this life. Keep looking at God. People can change. God cannot. People will change. God will not. This is our hope and what to do when we don't know what to do. Uh, Jehoshaphat here makes an appeal to God. and He says, "O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company. Is the verse we read. That cometh against us, neither know we what to do but our eyes are upon the it's a plea it's an appeal god won't you judge them you told us not to harm them not to take them out of the way not to kill them and we didn't and look how they repay us and i ask you you know have you had an apple out of that bucket i mean people you genuinely helped there was no strings attached just because they needed your help and you helped them and then when it came time for your disaster they were not only not around they were like the comforters of Job. You're a sinner, you've violated God, But he didn't. You're a sinner, you violated God. His wife says, just curse God and die. That's a tough pill to swallow. For most human beings, that's a tough pill to swallow. But God initiated that in Job's life too. For what? To keep him and his eyes on God who cannot change. Think about this too. The verse in Psalms that says, the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. So you might lead a life that's less... Or you have less people around you because either for one reason or the other they don't like you, they don't like the direction you're going in. Whatever, you might find yourself alone more often than you'd like. But it's a compliment if you're truly following Christ, because God has set apart him that is godly for himself. So Jehoshaphat makes a plea to God: "Will Thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh up against us." I don't know how other people are thinking, uh, except what I read. And I close an article or whatever, a book, and I say to God, I don't see this working out. Not without you stepping in. I don't see this working out without you stepping in. And why this is very difficult for people in general, Christian or not, is because we are now vulnerable. And we don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like to put myself in a position where I'm vulnerable. But I know that by the nature of life and by the nature of my position in many ways, that I'm going to be vulnerable, like it or not. And I can only make one appeal, to God. Will you not judge them? Will you not take care of things? And we don't know what to do. I wonder if that describes you today. Not like we've had things like that in the past, and you may in the future. I mean today. Does that really describe you? I just don't know what to do. Then follow the instructions, because this message is what to do when you don't know what to do. And Jehoshaphat is going to an invisible God on let's say stories that he's been handed down about abraham and isaac and jacob and moses and all what he did with the people but that was way in the past and that's what we read we read about things that are way in the past a jesus who healed the sick a jesus who raised the dead that's all in the past but thankfully god is the great i am he's the ever-present god and what you should be interested in is having god show himself strong on your behalf and we have testimonies And so after all this prayer, I want you to notice here also, it was all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. When I was reading through this here, it just showed a picture of so many people being so vulnerable, much like we are today in this country and other countries. Your wife, your children, infants, and there's nothing that you can do. Because there is no might against the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the children of Mount Seir. You're outnumbered. You're going to die. And there's nothing you can do. I'm thinking about moms and dads looking at their children, looking at their infants and saying, there is nothing that we can do. And they're standing there and they're praying to God. Which, once again, brings us into a source of being mocked by people. But so what? So what? Let them mock us we possess i possess the knowledge that god is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him that he comes in ways that we didn't calculate you know i've spent many many years drawing up goals and plans which sometimes work out but the great majority have never worked out there's always something coming in to frustrate them always something come in where i got to alter them and amend them and change them until i learned the lesson of turning my eyes on god we're just like right now We are just like those men and wives, mothers, fathers, children, infants, standing before God, helpless, helpless. And then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeho, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, "Hearken, ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat. Now this is a prophet obviously. I want to just turn that into a general statement of the word of God. The Bible. The word of God now comes. They're in great distress. And they don't know what to do as we read. And God gives his word through Jehaziel that we have with us to this day. And he says this. This is one of my favorite phrases in the Bible. Thus saith the Lord. Now you may make the assumption of Christian people everywhere. That this always satisfies them. God has said. But I'm going to tell you, after almost a half a decade in the ministry, it doesn't. It's nice to hear. I've told you this story before, but I'll go through it real quickly once again. Television stations going up. Some of the leaders in the area are together to have a meeting. One was the owner of a large radio station. And they're talking about how we get this thing going and fundraisers and money and uh, whatever else and getting people in. You know, all that's, I guess, to some degree necessary. I raised my hand. I said, well, how about we pray? And the guy that owned the radio station got irritated and angry. He says, yeah, yeah, prayer, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're talking about money. Now inside, the flame is lit in me. And I said, well, this is not the place to start a debate. I'll just shut my mouth. I'm telling you now, unless he's changed his view, he has no conception of the power of God. He sees things in the way that you read about how to have success in the world and books put out by people like Grant Cardone and other things where they, they you know you ever see the commercials on YouTube and other places they throw like a confetti of money and they're drowning in money that's the philosophy of the world that's the philosophy of those that don't know God God will supply all of his needs all of our needs rather according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus and then some in my experience at least But here, Jehaziel comes with these four words, thus saith the Lord, thus saith God himself. Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. And that is the proverbial easier to say than it is to do. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of this great multitude. Don't be afraid of this problem for which you have no strength at all. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be dismayed. Because he's going to say, it's not your problem. Well, it is their problem. Now he says, no, it's not your problem, for the battle is not yours, but God's. When I stand here and represent the Lord and preaching in the word, and you go out in the community, you represent the Lord, we are not doing our work. We are doing his work. It's his church. It's his Bible. It's the earth. As I said, the earth is the Lord. It's all his. I'm assisting him. He is not assisting me. Jesus didn't say to me or to any other preacher, I'll build your church. Because that's, again, this is my view, that's the mess we got ourselves in now. You could take the church with a capital C and break it apart and every single denomination is splintered all over the place. Again, I say this is not easily resolved, but it's because men have interjected their own thoughts all over the place, in some places, many places where it's just not necessary, and everything is broken apart. How is it that you can go to any city in the world and there's 50, 60, 70, 80 different churches that don't even talk to each other, don't even acknowledge each other? Me, because I've always been a thinker, if Jesus didn't save me the way He saved me, I would not be a believer. Because I would see what Jesus said. Father, I pray that they may be one. Other considerations all men shall know your, my disciples by your love one to another. Well, maybe in a local fellowship, okay, we got to practice that there. It's the only thing we can control. But I brush by people all the time that I find out after a year of knowing them. Oh, yeah, I'm born again. I said, you are? Are you really? I mean, how did that not come up in a conversation in the course of a year? Now think about it. Are people buying something that doesn't work? Well, it's not the Bible. The Bible works. Well, what are they buying? Where's the sense that no matter how deep I am in the quicksand, this is going to work out because God's in control and God promised to save me? Where is that type of faith? Listen, just like a muscle, that type of faith has to be built. And guess how it's built? It's built through stress, the same way muscles are built. You want to get progress in your physical fitness program, you want to get stronger, then you're going to have to stress those muscles. You can't go along with that's a good enough program. You're going to have one that's just, you have a little muscle soreness the next day or two days later. And that's how God grows our faith. It walks us into a situation where we don't have faith. And then we have to make a choice either to believe God or not. In any case, I mentioned this to you. Why would you buy something you know doesn't work? And I'm saying that to you this way. When people look at you, what are they looking at? And you say, oh, come with me. Now, again, if you were dealing with me, and I have said this to people before I was a Christian. Why? I was invited to church before I was a Christian. Remember one guy, of course, we're all young at the time. He joined some group. It wasn't strictly a Christian group, some kind of cult. But I said, why? Why should I come? Well, all I can say is when the greater comes, the lesser fades. I said, yeah, okay, I get it, but why should I come with you? I never did. And you know why? Because he didn't present me with an argument that was intelligent enough to get me interested. Okay, I'll give it a try. I did try Eastern religions. You say, why? Because it seemed at the time that they got results. But he lived in my neighborhood, and I knew him. And so I'm thinking to myself, and I knew what other things he was doing. This is not changing you. And you want me to come with you for what? I'm already doing that. What you're doing, I'm already doing. There's no change. Now, when are we going to come to the point where we understand that there's an obligation for us to advertise Christ properly? That does not mean everybody's going to like it. And I would encourage you to really study Jesus. Just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just really study Jesus. You'll find out that he did many things we would not do. Yeah, we talk about his healing. Okay, we'll do that. And his prayer life. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll do that. And the reading of the word. Well, I'd like to read, but you know. Yeah, okay. These are all excuses. And if we want to affect the world, we got to stop with all the excuses. Well, people are not buying things. Mainly because it's just not a credible argument there. I mean, in the lifestyle and the behavior to draw them. And then when there is, the Bible says, Marvel, not my brother, if the world hate you. They hate the position. Some may watch this message and hate the fact that I said, we've got to pray for our country. Ah, don't send me your thoughts and your prayers. That's what we have to deal with. Why would you buy a product that doesn't work? Why would this man keep saying to me, oh, well, with the greater comes the lesser phase? It's a nice trim slogan, but there was no change in his life. So I never went. Thankfully, Christ saved me all by myself in my bedroom. And that changed me to this very day. And I'm grateful for that, that he didn't drag me through so many churches and everybody's this and that and theology's all over the place and people's lives don't match up to what this book says. And I'm not saying that mine does 100% either, but that's what I'm striving for, no matter what the cost. Jehoshaphat bowed his head after this word from Jehaziel, with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. When they heard the word, they didn't see any deliverance. Thus saith the Lord. Boom! They all fell down. You know why? They believed it, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem." Now he's not afraid. What changed this man? It was the word of God. In this case, it's in the form of one man. We have it in 31,102 verses. Jehoshaphat said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. I am certain I have never seen or heard of any military commander of any country ever said, this is the strategy for this battle. Send out the choir. (laughs) Have them start singing about the goodness of a God that we have not seen, a God that we have not touched, a God that is beyond us. He's supernatural. he's supernatural. And let's praise his mercy. You see, now all of a sudden, Jehoshaphat is encouraged. He's not afraid anymore. So many people are going through life needlessly with anxieties because they don't believe the Lord. Amen. How's your business going to go? Hey, you know, kumsi si kum sa. Well, then you already know it's not going to go well. Not by God's plan because James chapter 1 says, if you waver, you will not receive anything from the Lord. I didn't write that. James wrote that. The Spirit of God wrote that through James. He says, don't waver. So we believe the Lord. Jehoshaphat believed the Lord and cured his fear. He was no longer fearful. God is going to come through. He didn't say so here, but that was obviously how he received it. Believe the Lord and believe his prophets and you will prosper. So they begin to sing. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments. And I underscored in my thinking the word when. Jehoshaphat said sing. The prophet said God will establish you or God's going to defeat and so forth. But it was when they began to sing. I don't want to overaccent singing as much as I want to accent faith. Because I have learned also in well, playing and being around Christian music that we don't even understand the words that we're singing sometimes. Make me more like you. Have you read Jesus' life? Wow. I can tell you in my flesh, I don't want to be more like Jesus. That's the truth. You say, well, how can you say that? Because I see what Jesus says. I see what Jesus does. My flesh doesn't want that, but my spirit does. Make me more like you. Seriously, make me more like you. I could say a lot on that. And you sang it this morning. So now you have two choices. Go forward with that or ask God to take it back. I want to take it back. I don't want to be more like you. I want to be sort of like you. You see, but that doesn't move well from the pulpit, does it? Look it. <laughs> we used this expression in the 60s. Let's get real. You really want to be more like Jesus? I'm telling you the truth. I don't. That's the truth. Because I know what it's going to require of me. But I'm going anyway. Amen. And if you say to me, oh, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Pick up the cross and all these things when you really understand what he's saying. Live apart from the world and a moral life and love the brethren. Oh, that's so easy. Really? Now, I've been a pastor for a long, long time. And i tell you one thing that's not always around is the true love of the brethren. And listen, it is getting rough now, okay? We hit a storm. Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying, pastor. Nobody loves me. You know what? It's time that you start loving people. Stop your whining. Nobody loves me. That's because you're so unfriendly. Your face turns people off. Well, I can't help it. Yes, you can help it. And I've dealt with depression and anxiety my entire life. And you can help it. You can put a smile on your face. Don't go around looking for a church that loves you. You go find a church that you love. You go find brethren that you will love. Not that they will love you, because when you love them and everybody's on the same page, then it's paradise. It's a paradise. We have people going church to church to say, well, they really love me there. I want to find a Christian who says, I go there because I love them. Yeah. I come and I'm punctual and I do this and whatever because I love the brethren. This is something that we've got to come to grips with, folks. We really do. None of this works unless you follow the instructions. So I don't want to accent the fact that God moved when they were singing as much as they moved in faith. They believed God. They were outnumbered. The armies didn't disappear, not yet they were still there but they began to sing great is the Lord greatly to be praised his mercy endures forever and so on and when they began to sing and to praise the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir which were come up against Judah and they were smitten the enemy was smitten for the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and to destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. This is the testimony of the Bible. Amen. My opinion is that Americans will still go their own way. Don't be one of them. Follow the Lord and then do your duty front of my house there's some political signs of from local politicians that asked me to put them there and they're there. It's the best I can do at the moment. I have an American flag and a Marine Corps flag and they're flying and other things that I can do but I understand that my help comes from the Lord, yeah. the maker of heaven and earth. Yeah. One last thing I want to leave you with this here. Remember where they started. They started in fear. Jehoshaphat started in fear, consternation, did not know what to do. They did not know where to go. They had already had a death sentence on them. But we read here near the end of the chapter, and when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. So much they couldn't carry it all. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Three full days just taking the jewels and the gold or whatever else was there. And on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the same place was called the valley of Barakah unto this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat, in the forefront of them, to go against to Jerusalem with joy. That's not how they started. Right? They didn't start with joy. They started with fear. I said this to you Wednesday at the end of the Bible study and I'm going to repeat it. Now don't get insulted, try not to get insulted because you know that I have a heart for anxiety, depression and mental health and all that. Number 1, it's no credit to say, "Oh, it's heredity. I've always been a nervous person." See, Jesus is in the business of curing your nervous problems. When the Bible says, "Be careful for nothing," that word means anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything. Temptations there But don't be anxious for anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasseth understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the instruction. So you don't want to be found in a position where you're almost bragging on the fact that you're nervous. Or bragging on the fact that, well, this is, you know, my mother was the same way. Well, we're not talking about your mother. We're talking about you. And God has not given you, not given me, the spirit of fear, but of power. And of love and a sound mind. And we choose which way we're going to think. You say, well, I've had a nervous habit for decades and decades. Don't matter how long you've had it. Even secular psychiatry has proven that those things can be cured. And I don't mean just with medications. They can be cured with skills that you learn to overcome it. If the secular world can understand that, how come the Christian can't? That you can overcome your fear. You can start in fear in the early part of your life and go through your life and struggle with it, which some do. But you can end in joy, in the knowledge that you overcame it, that you conquered it. It came against you, greeted you, may greet you every morning when you get up out of bed. Or all the things that are bad are going to happen to you today. Until you get up and say, nah, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it while the symptoms are still there, whether it's aches and pains or whatever. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. And this is how we learn what to do when we don't know what to do we follow the instructions let me finish they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord that would be the temple and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest round about what a happy ending to a story it starts in fear the message is that you're going to be overcome, and in the natural, that's what would have happened. They would have been overcome. And here's two words to learn but God. Amen. Here's two words to keep in your vocabulary but God. Amen. Well, you know, our country, this, that, the, yeah, but God. Amen. And our president, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but God. Keep in mind who's running the country. I mean, ultimately, running the country, it's God. God hasn't let go of his planet. God didn't say, oh, he hasn't let go of his planet. Even little children are saying he's got the whole world. Where is it? It's not in the hands of Democrats. But I'm equally glad it's not in the hands of Republicans or conservatives or libertarians. I'm just glad it's not in the hands of any human being. It's not in the hands of the Pope. It's not in the hands of this pastor. It's in the hands of God Almighty. And I'll finish with this. I had this thought that came to me several years ago. I shared it with my wife. I was looking at where where we stay, the colleges are very close together, and I was looking through the little couple feet between the colleges and looking down the road through the houses. Not through the house, but the back of the house. And it occurred to me that there's a way to walk through this, just like the narrow way. There's a way to walk and not be touched by the scourge that's on this world now. And that way is just simply following Jesus here. And I say this to you, and it is an overextension of what I actually believe, but I say for the effect, I've totally given up on Christianity. Yeah, I have. I've been in it long enough. I was born in it, then water baptized in it. Well, that's biblical. I've seen and heard a lot of things, but nothing, nothing has changed me except Christ. Amen. Christ. Christ himself. Jesus. Now, that's an overextension of what I actually believe, but it's designed to make the point it's faith they began to sing when they believed the word of the lord look at when we believe this word all the signs that we read about and most of them are not good in the bible earthquakes famines pestilences and violence and days of no and lot when we read that then we read the paper as i share with you sunday and they match up whoo, spirit goes down jesus didn't say that he said when you see these things look up for your redemption is very close Even at the door. That is what I believe. I truly do. I believe these are the days of Noah. I think there's much more to come. Or more to come anyway. These are the days of Lot. There's more to come in that area. And other things as well. The question is. Will you be filled with fear? And will you spread that fear? Though I'll tell you right now. You try to spread that fear in this congregation. I'm going to find where the cancer is coming from. And set you straight. Because I'm not going to let the cancer spread through. I have never done it in my ministry. Because someone feels like whatever they have a right no no it's the book it's the bible and there's a way to walk through this as much as there's a center aisle in front of me there's a way to walk through this god's way that's why i'm trying to reference christianity christianity depends on who you're talking to jesus is jesus he never changes he's always the same so what will you do you say oh pastor you know that's me today i don't know what to do i'm there a lot I got a few things on my mind right now i'm telling you i don't know what the solution is just yet one i have to work on today but i'm not going to let it take my sleep from me at night nor am i going to be pushed around by circumstances i'm just going to allow god to be gone and remind myself this is going to work out this is going to work out and i'm wondering if today you were in that category i mean you just don't know what to do and here god is spelling it out for you with the life of prayer belief on his word whether you sing or not to me at least some preachers going to make a whole thing about singing to me it wasn't the singing it was the faith that made them sing what is the choice you are making right now to believe god more to not believe god i mean what's your choice what are you going to do now listen you said i'm believing god oh that would be the expected answer but understand that when you believe god you will be challenged satan will challenge you it's not going to just say oh there's another one that made a reception to faith and he received faith so let's move on that's just the opposite they look these satanic beings you know whoever they are they look for those who have faith to boom to just do what damage they can do so i'm just saying just get primed for a fight but get primed for a fight that you expect to win Amen. Amen. father we come before you this morning in jesus mighty name And we read about Paul, he has fought the good fight of faith, is what he said. And we are in a fight now, just the same as every saint that ever went before us in the Bible, in the book, in history. We're in the same exact fight, with some circumstances that are a little different, peculiar to this age. But I pray today everyone that's here, everyone that's watching, everyone that's listening by way of the radio, would make a decision to walk in faith and believe and trust in you. Trust God. Then they'll know what to do when they don't know what to do. Oh, God, pour out your spirit and refresh your people, refresh their vision, refresh their knowledge, help them to see as Isaiah did. In the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw also the Lord. He was saddened by the death of King Uzziah. But he said, but then I saw also the Lord it was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple and the angels cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. God, help us today to see this same vision, to see what the problem is but also to see above the problem is God who cannot be touched, who cannot be moved, cannot lie, and is all-powerful. God, help us to see you. Help us to see Jesus. Help us to see your plan coming to pass in our life. And we give you the praise. And we give you the glory. And we give you the honor. For you truly are great, and you are greatly to be praised. Change our hearts, O God. We sang it earlier. Make them ever true. Change our hearts, O God. Because your plan for our individual lives is to make us more like you. We bless you. We praise you today for all these things. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Good thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. Thanks to the Lord. Do you wonder, like, what's going to be this week? We're going to face this week. I don't know. I don't just mean corporately either. I mean, I don't even know what I'm facing. But I only have two choices. Go forward or go backward. There's no place to hide. There's no place to go. Go forward or go backward. And going forward, going forward, trust in God. And I pray that you do the same. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. Another week has passed. Hard to believe how many years have gone by since I first arrived here in Amsterdam, New York. But that's how life goes it's a vapor. Help the fearful to no longer be fearful and to fight against it, the depressed to no longer be depressed and fight against it, and lift up their spirit, lift up their soul. We give you praise once again, God. We give you thanks. Help us to be reminded two great commandments upon which the entire bible hangs love you with all the heart all the soul all the mind and all the strength then to love one another and we give you all the praise give you all the glory and give you all the honor today in jesus mighty name can you say amen with me Amen. Amen. amen